Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habits of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Great guest lined up for you this week, Matt Leinert. He's the co-founder of Hall of Goats. He is an analyst at Fox Sports, 2004 Heisman Trophy winner, two-time college football national champ at USC. He is a former NFL quarterback as well. He finished his dominant career at USC with a remarkable 37-2 and record as a starter. His two losses, one last play of the game to Texas, the other triple overtime to Cal. So he could have easily gone 39-0 and in college with three national championships. What a career. When I think of the great quarterbacks of old time in college football, Leinart is definitely at the top of that list. We discuss his new company, The Hall of Goats. It's the world's premier digital marketplace for amateur athletes. Current USC quarterback and NIL superstar Caleb Williams is one of Leinart's partners on the venture as well. Also part of our conversation, I get Leinart's thoughts on USC's move to the Big Ten, the future of the Pac-12, and where NIL is headed. And of course, we discuss Leinart's college Hall of Fame career at USC and his time in the NFL. I'm joined by Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And uh, man, talk about a career and just a cool guy. I mean, he is, uh, he's just all of that. And I mean, growing up in Oregon, believe me, he killed my ducks many, many years. So I know him well <laughs> and kind of hated him in the USC years, but uh, just a good guy and has a lot of uh, cool things going on right now. Fun interview. So Griggs, let's get to some sports business radio headlines of the week. Uh, headline number one, Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray has a new $230 million deal with the team. $160 million is guaranteed. So that 230 that Deshaun Watson got with the Browns, that seems to be like the new bar for quarterbacks. But I think, uh, gosh, uh, Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, I mean, don't you think he's going to get more money? He's got an MVP. He's had more success on the field. Don't you think he'll become the highest paid quarterback? I mean, if you're paying Kyler Murray 230 and Deshaun Watson 230, don't you have to pay Lamar more? Yeah, I, I kind of feel around the 260 range and he'll be the, the highest paid because you got to. I mean, the guy is just absolutely fascinating on the field. He makes plays, he makes games, you know, he wins games for sure. So I think he's going to make some big money. Not surprised on the Kyler signing or additional signing because, I mean, he's uh, he's kind of become Arizona's team and uh, that one doesn't surprise me. But yeah, I think 230 is kind of the bar, but I, I agree. I think Lamar is going to get more. Uh, the new contract for Murray, this is a new twist, mandates that he studies film for four hours per week during the season to stay in compliance with the deal. So there had been some talk that he wasn't preparing for games as well as he should have been. So that's in the deal. That's interesting. I've never heard of that clause in a contract for a quarterback before. Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, these contracts become so much more sophisticated as they go with just changing in times and everything else that's going on. It's fun to see how these adapt and change. It'd be fun to read through one of those NFL contracts to see all the little stipulations and things that pop up. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, we should hear by next week's show what his suspension is by the NFL. I mean, there's been reports that it's going to be zero games and there's been reports that it's going to be indefinite. So it's probably going to be somewhere in between. Uh, we're waiting for that ruling, but uh, we may have that news for you on our show next week. Another headline this week, Vince McMahon steps down as chair of WWE at age 77. 
Stephanie McMahon, who's on this podcast with me last year, will take over as co-chair. Nick Kahn is going to be the other co-chair. Vince McMahon remains the biggest shareholder at WWE despite his retirement. There have been rumors that WWE may be purchased. Um, That's going to be interesting. I I think with Vince McMahon being the biggest shareholder and, you know, kind of operating this behind the scenes, Griggs, when I heard of this story, I mean, Stephanie McMahon is fantastic. Like I said, we had her on last year. Uh, She's been in the business since she was a kid, so she knows it well. But this has a little bit of like succession overtones to it. Like, you know, who's going to succeed dad? And it is Stephanie and that's who it should be. But you wonder like, you know, like the show Succession, the kids don't want dad to sell the company, but supposedly he is, spoiler alert. And in this case, you know, is the company going to stay in the family or is it going to be sold to someone outside the family? But when I heard of this deal, I wasn't surprised McMahon that Vince McMahon, 77, is stepping down. Obviously, there have been, you know, lots of accusations against him and settlements as, as well. But uh, I don't know, Griggs, what did you think of the story? Yeah, I think uh, put retirement in quotes because I think he is stepping down, but he's becoming, I mean, be, being the largest uh, shareholder, he's going to be involved still. And I think your, you know, your resemblance to succession is right on because I think he's still going to be involved and the family's obviously going to be involved. Stephanie, as you mentioned, is awesome. She's going to do a great job with it. And WWE, I mean, they're a presence. They're on TV constantly. They, uh, they're growing more and more with fans and uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how it takes off. All right, our last headline of the week, the XFL announces home cities for all eight teams. The cities, Arlington, Houston, Seattle, St. Louis, D.C., Orlando, Las Vegas, and San Antonio. Uh, Griggs, what do you think of those cities? The season kicks off February 18th of 2023. I think the cities are pretty right on. You've got it pretty much scattered across the U.S., so you're going to have markets you know, on the west and the middle and the east. But uh, man, I just, I can't, I just can't get into XFL yet. I'm just still an NFL college guy. I just uh, haven't crossed over to watching every game of XFL, but those are good markets and they're going to grow on TV and streaming. So it, uh, it's going to become more watchable for sure. Yeah. The markets they lost from the last time around, which was just a few years ago, which by the way, was uh, Vince McMahon led XFL. Now the rock is uh, part of the group that's leading it going forward, but they lost LA as a market. They lost New York, New Jersey as a market, and they lost Tampa as a market. So when you lose those size markets, you know, it might be tough for your league. But I do think, you know, The Rock does such a good job of promoting everything that he's a part of. So, uh, you know, I'm sure this will be successful. And then the thing we always talk about on the show, Griggs, people want to gamble. They want to, you know, get their gambling on. And these are just more games for people to gamble on, whether it's the lines or the prop bets or the in-game betting. Obviously, it's more inventory for TV networks. So, you know, I do think the league will be successful, but, you know, obviously nothing like the NFL because the NFL is is king and, and the juggernaut uh, that all you have to do is throw the draft or a preseason game on it and it's going to get great ratings. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, NFL always dominates. But I, I think you do with the XFL having not the same exact schedule. You know, they don't play the same months. I think that does help because it gives you some football to watch when you're not watching NFL or college. So I think that's an advantage. Um, like you said, they lost some big markets. But, you know, The Rock is a great promoter and he is everywhere and everybody knows him. And he's a football player. He knows the game. So I think that's going to be a great addition. All right. Matt Leinert is coming up next. You can obviously listen to this conversation here on this podcast, but you can also watch it. On our YouTube channel, uh, we did a video of the conversation as well. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can see our YouTube channel. Some of our best interviews are up on our YouTube channel, and you can watch the video as well. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors. Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in uh, heather gray. I've got them in navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. 
So when I'm out in in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my Rain long sleeve gray heather camo. I've got my Rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15, SBR15 at checkout. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. My guest is Matt Leinert. He is the co-founder of Hall of Goats. He is an analyst for Fox Sports, 2004 Heisman Trophy winner, two-time college football national champion, former NFL quarterback, 37-2 and at <laughs> USC. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Leinert QB. Matt, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having me, man. Just, uh, you know, getting ready for football season. We're about a month away, which is exciting. So it's been a kind of a whirlwind off season in college athletics, as you know. And uh, I'm just I'm really honestly, I'm just really excited to get back to work and travel and, and watch these kids play. You know, it's going to be fun. A lot of things I want to cover with you, but I guess let's start there. Uh, your USC Trojans are going to the Big Ten, UCLA reportedly going as well. I mean, when you think of the Big Ted, I don't think of the West Coast. It's such a shakeup for the sports landscape. It looks like we have right. these super conferences now with the Big Ten and the SEC. Where is this all going? Is it good? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's just, you know, is it good or bad? I think it depends on on if you just you're kind of getting on the train or you're not of college athletics. You know, I mean, I think you can argue for it you can argue against it i think with the shift of like you said the way college athletics are moving and kind of this realignment and really with oklahoma and texas last year announcing they were going to join the sec it's sort of it's sort of kind of sent a ripple effect throughout college athletics and college football in particular and with a team like usc and just a brand like usc and ucla you know, I, I think it was important for them to, um, you know, get to a conference where they can really maximize the power of that brand. Obviously, financial aspect of it for that school is is huge, but the exposure, you know, the competitiveness of that conference, and then also, as you said, you know, big the Big Ten now will be the only conference that goes stretches from coast to coast, so it's a national conference. So. Um, you know, look, I, I get I get the, a lot of people kind of upset and this and that. But at this point, like you have to get on board with the way college athletics is changing. You have NIL, you have transfer portal, you have realignment. It's all happening and it's happening very fast. And, you know, you have to kind of get on board with it or else you'll get left behind. I saw a few comments from people who play in the Pac-12 and I'm friends with a few of the players and they've always talked about exposure. Their games take place late at night on a Saturday. Yep. People aren't seeing them. They're not as considered for Heisman trophies, even though you won one. How much does that factor into the athlete's thoughts of, you know what, I want to play in a conference where I'm going to be seen more? It's huge, especially nowadays with these kids. The, the you know They're getting so much more exposure at a young age with just social media and, and the access that they're giving to fans, recruiting coaches, all that. And then also the access that those platforms are just creating for them. So, you know, these, these student athletes aren't dumb. They understand like, Hey, I want to go to, well, one, I want to go to a conference and compete against the best. I think that's always at the forefront, despite all of these other things going on. No, they're not, they're not they're, They want to go compete. They want to be on TV. They want to, now with NIL, build a brand. And not all of them are going to have those opportunities, but but that access is there. And if you go to a conference like the Big Ten, you know, you're playing on national television every single week. You know, the, you, you are traveling a lot more from a West Coast team. But again, you talk about the resources that you're going to have, the exposure that you're going to have, the financial impact it's going to have for your respective sport. 
it, it's kind of it just makes total sense. I think if you're if you're a USC and you're a UCLA, being in the LA market, which is massive, and even for the Big Ten now, the Big Ten can stretch to the West Coast and be in, and be in that big LA market. So I think it's a win for both sides, and um, you know I'm I'm looking forward. It, it's taking going to take uh, getting used to here a little bit, but uh, looking forward to that. What do you think happens to the conferences that aren't the SEC and the Big Ten, like the Pac-12? Do they just, you know, deteriorate? Do they turn into nothing like the Pac-12? Do a bunch right. of other universities say, hey, I'm going to go to a different conference? What happened, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, the Big 12 last year with the announcement of Oklahoma and Texas, you know, they, they moved very swiftly. They added a couple um, really solid programs to that conference. And they, and they kind of, you know, they had stability and, and they're in a stable spot. I mean, they're, 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 they weren't the SEC and they're not going to be the big 10, but they're in a stable spot. So, you know, I can't, I, I don't know. You know, I think at the end of the day, uh, George, the commissioner is a really good guy. He's smart. He understands that he's walking into, obviously he walked into a difficult situation and now uh, even more difficult, but you know, they'll figure out a way to make sure that they that they're they're staying afloat and they're stable and if that's merging with another conference or bringing other schools into the conference you know that that's going to be the choice that they make so you know you can't speculate i don't know what's going to happen but i know that they're trying to move fast and, and swiftly to you know to figure this out when i think about college athletes in my lifetime i think of like christian leitner but i, I think of you and reggie bush and i think of how well would you have done with name, image, and likeness that if, if it had been around when you were playing? I mean, you would have made a boatload. Someone like Zion Williams. Right. I mean, these are athletes that were iconic in college where you just go, wow, this would have been huge for you. Do you ever think about that? And, you know, I now know that you're part of the Hall of Goats, which we'll talk about in a minute. But do you ever look back and go, man, why couldn't we have this around when I was playing? You know, I, I do. I mean, now that it's it's legal and at the forefront of everything, I, I I think more people come up to me and be like, man, you would have made millions of dollars. And then I'm thinking like, yeah, I probably actually would have. Like, I, I mean, you like realistically, Reggie, myself, probably some of those other players. I mean, we, we brought in so much money to USC over the course of those of the course of the three years that I, I started there. And then even the year before when Carson won the Heisman and we we won the Orange Bowl. And then the years after, I mean, we, I don't know, brought in probably hundreds of millions of dollars to that school and, you know, over a course of those years and never saw a dime of it. So, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it was, it, it, that the rules weren't in place then, they're in place now. And, um, you know, that's why I've, I'm getting involved with NIL and trying to help these players just because um, they, they, they deserve it. You know, they're, they're working extremely hard and that's all sports, all student athletes working extremely hard at their craft. Um, you know, you know, putting in a lot of time and effort and, uh, they didn't get, they don't get rewards off that, but everyone else can do that. So now they do, which I think is great. What's the recipe for successful name, image, and likeness deals in, in your mind? Wow. Um, it's a really challenging question. I think, I think, Listen, I think it goes from both sides. You, you want to present an opportunity to a student athlete that allows them to maximize their potential and allows them to maximize the opportunity. That looks different in a lot of different cases. I think it depends on the, the, the sport, the player, the position, all of those things that are happening. So they're all very different. But at the end of the day, for me, you know, we want to we want to give these these players an opportunity to make money, you know, the more you dive into it, the more you can market yourself, brand yourself, the more, more opportunity you are going to make money, you know? So, so for us, it's more about, and with Hall of Goats, it's really more about building a brand that they can go and, and that can last longer than, than, than football or basketball, or their sport. Um, I, I think there's a lot of bad representation out there. Mm. Uh, my wife's a, my wife's a, a corporate attorney. She's working on NIL. She's doing stuff related to this. And, she sees a lot of bad contracts out there. And I think that's the one thing too for success and really more almost for advice purposes, you know, advising these players to, to really, really read the contract. And if you don't understand it, which is fine, because I do things still that I don't understand in my contract, but, but reaching out, having people around you that can, that can help. And if you don't, if they don't know, then you go 
ask a teacher, ask a counselor, ask a coach, ask somebody. But the more you can learn about these contracts as a player, um, the better off you're going to be in the long run, you know? So, um, you know, that's kind of what success looks like for me, not necessarily in the, in the personal deals that I'm trying to do with players or our company's trying to do with players, but just in general, you know, I think it's so new. Um, it's, it's, it's the wild, wild west, which we've heard many, many times. And it truly is because it's just every, there's not one really straightforward policy. Schools are different. States are different. Um, you know, some schools are involved, some schools aren't, you know, uh, player representation is different. Um, a lot of these, you know, th- there's evaluations out there for, for what these players are. They're saying that they're worth, but they're not really worth that much. So you're, you're, you're balancing a lot of different things right now, which was expected. And I think everyone is just trying to navigate kind of through, you know, th- these waves right now. And, and at some point over the next couple of years, it'll start to really, I think, level itself out. I think the policies will be pretty much in unison for the most part. The market will kind of correct itself. I think you, you've seen some wild numbers be thrown out there. Um, that's going to change. It just will. Um, but until then, you kind of just have to survive and 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 try and you know create the best opportunities for these players and do it in a way that, that that's the right way. I listened to Lane Kiffin this week at SEC Media Day, and he said what you just said. It's the Wild West, and it's kind of an arms race, right? Like if you have the most amount of money. And you can offer a player a lot of money, it's going to make a difference for them. Do you see that continuing to be a factor? And really, there's no salary cap that I've seen where, you know, you cap it for, hey, Alabama can only sign a certain number of players at this dollar amount. You can spend however much you want. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. And that's the thing that I think will at some point sort of level itself out. Obviously, you know, these rules were written and there's a lot of gray area, which a lot of schools, people are, are exploiting. I don't say schools, boosters, alumni, these collectives, people are kind of exploiting that gray area. Um, and I think at some point, like you said, I mean, it is an arms race. I mean, there's just there's just schools that have a lot more money and they have people behind it that are willing to pay X amount of dollars to to get players there. Now, that's not legal. And there's ways that these teams are doing are these people are doing that. And I think that's sort of the concern and the uproar that a lot of coaches have, athletic directors have, presidents have. But like I said, the the rules were written in the way that they were written currently. That is changing. Policies are changing. Um, You know, a lot of this stuff will correct itself because you're going to have some players that aren't going to live up to maybe what their earning was. And you're going to have you know, these, these companies, brands, alumni, whoever it is kind of back off a little bit, I think. So, so that, that's all going to happen. It's just a matter of when and, and how long and all those things. So um, with all that being said, there, there's a lot of great collectives out there. There's a lot of great institutions that are doing it the right way and really creating real, real opportunities for their student athletes and um, using it as, as, as a, and these student athletes are, are using it as a great platform for them to connect with, with brands and companies and all of those things. And, you know, that's what this is all about. We're going to talk about hollow goats in a minute, but I'm really curious when you were going to USC and you're 37 and two, and you guys are on TV every week, who did you turn to? for advice. I mean, you just mentioned the importance of being able to talk right. to a teacher or a lawyer or someone who knew what they were doing. I would imagine you had all kinds of opportunities thrown on your lap. You know, as a, as a young 20-year-old, who were you turning to to guide you? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think at the time, obviously, it was different because there wasn't, you know, you know, companies knocking on my door because we just couldn't do it. But I think as I got in my senior year and I graduated knowing the NFL was there, you know, I, I had, I had, a, I had my family around me. Um, I had a few people that were kind of in my circle for a long time that I trusted, um, you know, and that circle changes obviously as you get older and it's not the same, but in that moment, but I think the important thing for schools and and even down at the high school level, I think it's so important, like for high school athletes that can make money, you know, the state of California, high school athletes can make money off their NIL for those high schools, those coaches, those, those academic counselors, 
you know, the, the, there needs to be courses that are taught. And I really believe that's going to happen just because this is becoming, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be a, you know, financial literacy course or, or an NIL course, you know, that's going to be offered at some point with all of these high schools and all of the states that, that they're, that it's legal to do that. But for these players it starts there, start with your family. Your family can talk to your coaches, your counselors, anybody at your high school, and if they don't, you know, everyone knows somebody, maybe they, they have a great financial advisor that, that you can talk to and consult with. So I just, I, I'm hopeful that these, that, that they'll do the due diligence, right. And not just take the first thing that, that that's what I've seen is you get dangled a carrot and it's like, oh, that carrot tastes good. Let's just get it right away. But you don't really know what that means. And you may be signing your life away for three years for $10,000. I mean, that happens all the time because that, that's, that's good money. And these, a lot of these kids have never seen that before. Um, and then especially at the, co the collegiate level, I mean, every institution, and I've talked to some and they are going to do this, but needs to implement a course with financial education and literacy and NIL and how to use a credit card, how to set up an account, just basic one-on-one, um, how to read contracts so that they can, they can just have a basic understanding. Um, of how this is all working. And I think we'll get there really fast. And I think that will really help um, kind of just kind of to allow everyone to take a deep breath, understand what's going on and make sure that these kids are getting taken care of in the right way. All right. I want to hear about Hall of Goats. I know you are the co-founder. You started this with Caleb Williams, who's currently the quarterback at USC. I know you have some other people involved. What was kind of the impetus to start this company? Yeah, well, my 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 one of my really good friends, Greg Carlson, he 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 built the platform. And um he was my teammate at USC. He was a former walk-on receiver, earned a scholarship, um, and was there, was there during that whole run. We were roommates for three years. Um, so he presented kind of this opportunity, kind of the end of last fall that he'd been working on. And originally his his vision for this kind of NFT platform was in um, I think the, uh, like EA sports world or something like that, you know, a, a different, different thing. But as the NIL unfolded, he was like, wow, like this is a great opportunity, you know, that we can kind of build in this NIL world and start with the amateur athletes, you know, high school and college. Um, he kind of gave me kind of the genesis of that kind of what his vision was, the team he already had in place. And I just, I was like, I'm in like one, we're boys. Um, I thought I didn't know much about NFTs, Web3, crypto, really, really nothing. I'd heard about it. So I, I did a little deep dive with him just to get a basic understanding of what this actually is and, and then how it can help these kids or, or how it ties in. Or, you know, do I want to be a part of this? Obviously, I have a job and I cover college sports and it just was a no brainer. And, you know, Hall of Goats it's morphed and it continues to morph as things change. You know, we're building um, a video game, which within Hollow Goats and basically these NFTs and the people who buy these NFTs of their favorite college player, um, they, they can play with that NFT within the video game. And, wow. you know, you can think of kind of like NFL blitz style, kind of the arcade style game, fun, big tackling, taunting, like, you know, the fun, fun game that we played as kids. So we're currently in those stages right now, building this video game. Um, and uh, we just, and again, for us, we think, hey, these, these players can live in this video game forever and um, they can make money off their NFT sales. They can make money off all of the microtransactions within the video game. If, if, I don't know if you're much of a gamer or maybe your kids are gamers, but you know, when you, when you play video games, you spend a lot of money within the video game, buying whatever, accessories, leveling up your players, whatever it is. So a lot of those things will happen within our game and the players see royalties off of those as well. So um, it's just a way where, you know, I think, you know, hey, you're, you want to be in this video game, which is pretty cool, um, you know, and you can make money off of that, you know, and you can market yourself, you can brand yourself. We, we do merchandise, we're doing other things like that, but essentially that's what Hall of Goats is. And, um, you know, we really want to be kind of that biggest player in that space. And we're, we're excited about it. Obviously, teaming up with Caleb has been great. Caleb, you know, just a great dude, great talent on the field has really um, 
kind of led the charge as far as NIL and kind of how to go about it. Obviously he's had tremendous opportunity and he's super grateful for that, but just doing it the right way. He's taking care of his teammates. He's taking care of, you know, the women's basketball team at USC. He's just done a lot of good with it, which I love. Um, and uh, he'll continue to do that. So it really was a no brainer for us to kind of team up with him. And then obviously the USC connection is there and, and for sure, but this is something that, you know, we're, we're going national with, and we want, you know, we, we have a partnership with Elite 11, which is great. Um, we're working on other partnerships as we speak. So uh, a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, we're excited about kind of the trajectory of where it's going to go and the vision that we have and, um, and all the players that uh, we think we'll uh, be able to work with. Yeah, I love it. Seems like you have a great team assembled. Uh, I like the branding a lot. I think it's really yeah. cool. You guys did a great job with that. And yeah, I'm impressed by Caleb. I mean, you know, obviously he's a, a great talent on the field, but he seems pretty darn savvy for his mm -hmm. age off the field as well. And I have been watching the deals that he's been making. So I think it's a great partnership. Yeah, he, he's, you know, and again, he's just been really smart. And the thing that I love about him too, is he's just, he's so he's so helpful with, with his teammates, you know, cause look, he's a starting quarterback at USC. He's going to get those deals. Not, you know, he's in the less than 1% that's going right. to be able to make real money. And he understands that. And, but he's really done a good job of sort of being like, Hey, I get that, but I also want to make sure that these up that my players are taken care of. That's my responsibility. And he's, and not everyone's thinking that way. He's, he's got a great team around him um that that has done a really good job and like he he's just he's really been sort of a pioneer and i think he's setting the bar really high because of the way he's just going about it and um but i think everyone can learn from it they really can they can learn kind of how to start to think outside the box he's he, you know real estate deal the beats by dre like he he's really sort of um uh, you know spreading his you know spreading wide in this, as far as all of the, all of the different kind of brands and companies he's working with. And again, someone, you know, the third string quarterback's not going to have those opportunities, but, you know, maybe, maybe Caleb, you know, is helping him this, of networking and meeting people and starting to think, Hey, this is what you can start thinking about. So, um, and I know he's taken on that role. So uh, super exciting, obviously just excited to watch him play this year watch USC play and, and just call it, like I said, you know, college football in general. Like I think we're just itching to get back and start playing these games. I want to talk about your career at USC for a minute. Like I said, 37 and two, I mean, just incredible. Two national championships, a Heisman trophy. Um, a few things I wanted to ask you about. One, you had a really hard decision. You had an incredible junior year and a lot of people would have said, you know what? I'm going to the NFL. You came back for another year of college. Do you ever look back and go, eh, maybe that wasn't the best decision? Or do you say, you know what? It was great to come back for my senior year because it's such a hard decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I have, I've had not one regret. And it's Good. been, gosh, I mean, 16, 17 years, whatever it's been. I, you know, I, I think I get it. And I came off that game against Miami. Um, but but truth of the matter is, is there's a few things. You know, I I always deep down just wanted to, I, I loved what we were doing. I loved being at USC. I loved being a kid. I loved the, the, the run that we were on truly. Like I just didn't want to leave college football and leave USC. And mm -hmm. that was a big reason. Um, I was, I was super, I had gosh, two, two or four more credits to graduate, whatever. I was pretty close to graduating. That was important to me. It was important to my mom. So I was able to do that when I returned for my fifth year. Um, and then lastly, you know, like I was pretty beat up, you know, I, I ended up getting surgery on my elbow right when I announced, I think in January, February, I, I was dealing with tendonitis. I didn't feel as strong. Even, I mean, I, I played well, I was coming off the Heisman that game and I get all that, but I just didn't feel like I was physically at my best hmm. to get ready to go to a draft and compete and do all of these things. I just, so all of that collectively was just like, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm going to come back. I'm going to, I'm going to be another year, you know, better, um, more, more prepared. I'll get physically stronger. I'll, I'll play, you know, I'll, I'll learn more about defense. You know, my senior year, I came back, I, I watched NFL film, you know, Pete Carroll said, Matt, start watching NFL film. 
So I, he kind of helped me break down a little bit of how you watch it. So I would watch that, um, you know, and, and then, and then we were close, you know, we lost to Texas in the Rose bowl, but we had a chance to play for three, three national championships in a row, you know, which is pretty, which is just doesn't happen. So no, it's unheard of. Um, and, and obviously it, it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but forever, you know, we'll be a part of that. I've had Pete Carroll on this show. And I mean, I find him to be like the energizer bunny. I've never seen anyone with his energy. He just walks into a room and just lights up the room. What was it like playing for him? As you probably could imagine, it, it was, uh, <laughs> let me tell you. So I, I had committed to Paul Hackett and that staff, they got fired. I, I, you know, decommitted and kind of kept my options open when Pete was hired. Cause you know, Pete was coming, you come from the NFL. I didn't know much about him. But I'll tell you what, the energy that you kind of see now and what you've probably always seen and what you've always thought of Pete, like just bouncing off the walls, that's how it, that's how it was since day one. And now that, that's probably, I mean, he was a great coach. Obviously, he's a great motivator, great kind of philosophy about things and how he spoke to us. He just, he just is rare in that, in that regard. But he was very, um, he was just very straightforward. Like, like that's who he was. That's his personality. He wasn't a, he wasn't a fraud. It wasn't fake. He had the energy every single day. He brought it every day. And we just, and we fed off of it. It really was infectious. And that's a big part of why we were so successful. So yeah, he, he, the talent was there and they recruited extremely well and we had great players, but like you just, you wanted to run through a wall for him because it was just, it was just always like that. He was always on and always excited. And it was like, he made you feel so excited to go to practice every day and all of those things and compete. And not a lot of coaches have that gift. They just don't, you know, he was great with X's and O's and all that, but he was also, he had that rare ability to just get the best out of all of us and make it fun and exciting. My favorite game of your career, you played a lot of great games, but the Bush push at Notre Dame. I mean, that was such a classic game. What was that like? I mean, cause it really looked like there for a while, you guys were going to lose that game and you, you found a way to win that game. And I would say that summed up your career at USC is even when it looked like you guys were going to lose, you would always find a way to win most games except for two games. Yeah, it was uh it, that's a good point. We just, we always found ways to win, you know, what people, you can look at the record and all that, but it's like, and everyone knows this that plays like it is really hard to win every single game. It just is like, especially at that high level. And there's always going to be a team that's going to just get up. And, and for whatever reason, you just, you kind of get out of bed different that day. And it's all, all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, we're in a battle in the fourth quarter. You know, that happened against Arizona state a couple of times. It happened against Stanford one year. Obviously, the Fresno State game, I seen you. There, there were probably five to six games in those three years, seven games that were like shouldn't have been as close as they were, but they just are because that's 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 what's great about college sports. And uh, you talk about the Bush push. That, that was a great game. I mean, obviously, two top 10 teams at the time um, going into Notre Dame, which is always special. You know, the green uniforms they busted out, you know, they they. Again, it was their Super Bowl. You know, beating us was their Super Bowl. And, you know, they had a great year and I think played in a big bowl game that year. But, like, beating USC, knocking off the number one team, the defending champ, you know, and that they win that game, maybe they're in the BCF National Championship game. So um, it wasn't – it was a very – for me personally, I always say this, it was a very sloppy game for me personally up until, like, the last two minutes. And I think that's what's cool about football. And, for, and, and Pete always said, hey, man, like, you're not going to win the game in the first three quarters. You're going to win the game in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter. In the fourth quarter, that's when you win the football game. And, and we did. We went on that drive. We had the completion of Dwayne on the fourth and nine, which was huge. Reggie just made some very underrated plays on that drive that moved the chains that no one really talks about. And then obviously the bush push at the end where, you know, I got a little <laughs> help from my buddy, which is totally fine. And uh, gosh, but, but, it, but it is a great memory. You know, I think just in that, in that, that that rivalry is so undervalued. It's such one of the best rivalries forever, just because of the history and the players and the coaches and and gosh, all the Heisman winners, like everything about that rivalry, it was so special. And to to win like that in that atmosphere was pretty awesome. I know we just have a couple minutes left. 
you do a great job with Fox Sports. Um, it's not an easy transition from being an athlete to being on TV. You've been doing this for a while now. How did you make the transition and kind of walk me through what your prep is each week? Yeah, so the transition wasn't, um, I, I was very lucky and fortunate to, when I retired in 13, I, I, I took a couple months off. I was like, all right, I, my, my, I'm married now. I met my wife right before that at the time. So that was super exciting, like something new. And I kind of knew that we were, you know, we were going to go down that path, even though even very early in our relationship. So there were like good things going on. And I was just mentally like, I'm just done. Like, I want to break. Let me regroup here. And, and it didn't last long because obviously creature of habit, routine, like you want to be busy and do something. So um, there were some people at Fox and, and I and I and I met my I hired my agent at the time because. I knew it was something that I wanted to try. I didn't know what I would do. I didn't know if I'd be any good at it, but I wanted to try to get in broadcasting, whatever that meant. Um, and obviously Fox is right down the street here in LA. Um, there was a couple people there, USC people that just, we made the connection and, uh, and again, just super grateful and, and started kind of, I don't say at the bottom, but I just started like did a couple random shows and to see if I liked it, didn't really have a deal, you know, a couple one-off things. And, I think I showed potential, but I still wasn't like, hmm. So my my role kind of grew there as they started kind of thinking, you know, because FS1 just launched in, in that year, the year before. So so we were still trying to like figure out what shows to put on air and and you know, getting teams in place, all of those things. So started doing more and more shows. And then there was an opportunity, you know, for me when Joel Klatt, who who's one of the best in college football, one of my good friends, went up to the booth. So his chair kind of came open on the studio show. And that's when I went in the studio show originally with, with Coach Wanstead, who's who I love, Robert Smith, who's great, and Rob Stone. And we started doing that. And that kind of morphed into what we are now as a big noon kickoff. Obviously, um, some new faces and stuff, but it so it's been a gosh, eight years. So I've, you know, grown and really kind of moved up the ladder and, and just worked really hard and been really grateful for the people at Fox that believe in me. And just, it's such a great, oh, it's just such a great atmosphere there. I mean, everyone, the boss, everyone, it's just, it's so much fun. And so that really, so very lucky, some great people there that kind of got me to this point. And, you know, now, and to answer the second part of your question, kind of the prep and what does a week look like? I, I, we're on the road every single week, you know, with big noon. So we're traveling, which is awesome. We did that last year about 92% of the time. This year, we're on every week, two-hour show. We go to our, our big noon game of the week, have a blast, all those things. So, you know, as far as the week, everyone always asks me, it's like, how much prep goes into that? Because some people know that there's a lot, and some people just think you kind of just show up and you talk. And I'm like, right. no, actually, there, there's a lot more than you think, you know, because you're on national television, you're going to get exploited and exposed really quick if you don't prepare and you don't know what you're talking about. Um, some of it, it's just football. So you can talk ball because you have the experience and you've been in the locker room and you played in big games and you can relate that way. But then a lot of it is like, there's a lot of stuff going on in college football. There's a lot of moving parts that, that are, there's, you know, it's not like NFL where all you have is free agency, but for the most part, these teams stay intact for years. Like, there's always people graduating or leaving the NFL and there's always new recruits coming in. So you're constantly changing. So that to me is the fun part is because it's challenging in that regard to where you're constantly learning and constantly studying and watch a lot of film early in the week. Um, you know, I, I do a, I do an interview with, with kind of a power player of the week every week. So I go into the studio usually every Tuesday and Wednesday and I'll sit down with a, with a player and, and, from, from wherever the, the play we, we try, our team does a great job of reaching out and getting the players that, that have a big week prior. So do that, which is a lot of fun. Um, talk to our producers throughout the week, kind of finally, you know, we, you have a two hour show basically the way it works. You have a two hour show. There's all these blocks as I'm sure you've heard, you have a block all the way down to the J block and each block is, you know, eight minutes, six minutes, whatever. And then, then you have your commercial break and then you go to the next block. So you know, there's a lot to un unpack because we're, we're a national show. So we, we hit on our game a lot, but we're also hitting on the storylines throughout, you know, college football and, and some of the other big games that are happening that day. So there's a lot of prep. And, and, and I would say this, Joel Klatt, um gave me some of the best advice when I when I took his 
kind of seat years ago. And because I sat with him, I said, okay, like studio show. At that time, it was a 30 minute show, which is so short. You you would literally get like two minutes of talking. And but I was like, how do you prepare? Like just like like basic questions. And he said, the the studio show is this prepare a mile wide and an inch deep instead of you know an inch a mile deep and an inch wide which is really what what a game is right because if you're calling a game you're only talking about you're talking about storylines but you're talking about that game so you're preparing everything for that game with a couple bold points here and there throughout college football on a studio show you're covering say 100 games and and 100 players and all and different storylines but you're doing it in a much shorter time so that was like the best advice he's like he's like Prepare and I and I over. I think a lot of people in my profession just over prepare. You always just want to be prepared stuff if, if things are different or, or you're reacting to stuff, obviously. But so that's like the preparation. I've always used that advice like prepare for everything, every big game, every player that you have an eye on because because we react a lot throughout the day. Well, it's different now because we'll do a halftime and post game and then we're done. But sometimes when we would be a full day you're reacting to stuff, you know, and, and you want to have some prep in your mind about, well, that game I was, even though it's not our game on our, on our network or whatever, that Alabama game, man, I had my eyes on, on Bryce Young and I want to see how he did. Oh yeah. That's the notes I had. Let's talk about it. You know? So like, you're just, you're just, you're diving into a lot of different areas. Um, so there's a lot, I mean, I know that was a long winded answer, but there's a lot of prep that goes on and, and I take it serious. I love my job. Um, I love the people I work with. We bounce ideas off each other all the time. We make fun of each other. We laugh. I mean, <laughs> I think that's what makes good television. So uh, it's a blast, though. It really is. You do a fantastic job. I'm not just saying that. You do a really good job. Thank you. Um, before I let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about the Matt Leinart Foundation. I know you're doing really good work in the community. Tell our audience about that a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, we uh, we just had our annual golf event. So so I started a foundation, my foundation, gosh, right out of college. I was like 22, 23. And I it was so broad. My brother who runs it was I just told him, him and my family, like, I just want to help kids like I want to help underprivileged kids. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to do it. So that morphed into a lot of and that was then and that morphed into like 10 years of just you know, really helping inner city youth and underprivileged kids. And, you know, whether it was, it was the football league that we had for years, giving these kids an opportunity to play football, whether it was various camps, whether it was, you know, supplying equipment for a lot of kids, it just ranged from, it was a very broad, broad strokes, but it really had one point. It was like, Hey, we want to give these kids an opportunity that they wouldn't necessarily have. So that is, and we still do some stuff like that, but that has shifted re- as of recently. In the last couple of years, I've been on the board at Chalk Children's Hospital, which is um, the Children's Hospital of Orange County, where I grew up. And um, I got connected with them. Obviously, I've known about the hospital forever, but got connected with them, um, sit on the board. And it's really just been kind of an eye-opening experience for me. Just one, the, the, the people there are so tremendous, but just being involved in that hospital and, and me being a dad of three boys and just understanding, like, just having healthy kids is like, you know, we, we almost take that for granted every day. And um, so we've, we started a program with Chalk called the Dream Big Program, which basically we help and we fund, but we help kind of create almost like make a wish where we kind of help create these opportunities and experiences for the kids that are in the hospital. And a lot of them are terminally ill. Um, so we're trying to, you know, bring some joy to their face, bring some joy to their family, create, you know, we had a wedding, you know, not too long ago, we've had just, you know, as far as like meeting their favorite football player. And and, and we had a kid who um, loved the chargers so much and he ended up passing away, but, um, you know, the coach went over there to talk to him and a couple of players sent him some FaceTime videos, like little things like that, that we can kind of use our reach and use our, our networking and, and the resources that we have and the money we raise to, to, to do that. And, um, again, it just, it, it, it's hit home, you know, just obviously being a dad, I have, I have an older son, but I have two little boys and fortunately they're healthy and strong and all that, but I know that's not all the, that, the case for everybody. And, um, just really grateful to be a part of chalk. So that program has been really important. And, 
Um, COVID, it was challenging during COVID because of just the restrictions, but um, the restrictions have, are gone now. So there's a lot more interaction and a lot more things that we can do now. Um, so it's awesome. So that that's what it's about. Um, I've, I've just appreciate all our supporters and donors and um, over the years, and it's really helped make a difference. Matt Leinert, co-founder, Hall of Goats, analyst on Fox Sports. I just love what you're doing. You're, I mean, we just had a great conversation about all the different things that you're doing. And, you know, you had a stellar career at USC and in the NFL. You've parlayed it into all these wonderful things. I love what you're doing in the community. Thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, man. This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy app ever released and the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. And with early investors like Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff, I know that Underdog Fantasy is made for people like me who are on the go and want something quick, easy, and fun to play. And today we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. If you sign up to Underdog Fantasy using the promo code SBR, they're going to double your first deposit up to $100. No risk, no long-term commitment. Just sign up using promo code SBR and your first deposit is matched up to $100 for free. I already play Underdog Fantasy on the Underdog Fantasy app, but if I didn't, I'd use that free $100 and go for a pick'em contest where I can bet the over-under on individual players or team matchups. Or maybe the Best Ball Mania 3 contest worth $10 million in total prizes. All you have to do is draft a team for the season. No waivers, no lineups, no injury reports. Underdog Fantasy takes care of all of that for you. So do what I've been doing. Go to Underdog Fantasy, download the app, sign up with promo code SBR, and get started right away with a free match on your first deposit up to $100. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio, CG Young, Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.